I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church, and I welcome you to episode 44 in the fourth edition of the AIC Bible Study video series, The New Testament Gospels. At the end of the episode, I'll point out where material presented in episode 44 appears in the AIC bookstore publication, The Gospel of John, annotated and illustrated. In this episode, I continue with part six of seven in a discussion of unique themes, details, and events in the Gospel of St. John. With this episode, I conclude my discussion of Jesus' references to concepts of time with discussion of the phrase, a little while, and time, followed by his discussion of references to the kingdom of God and to the fate of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and conclude with part one of two in a discussion of five unique events in the Gospel of St. John, beginning with the first, the visit of Nicodemus. In episode 43, I discussed Jesus' reference to an hour which was coming. This time, I take up another of Jesus' reference to concepts of time with the phrase, in a little while. The phrase comes from the Greek mikron. It suggests a tiny, indefinite place on the vast spectrum of God's time. Had Jesus meant a small but measurable amount of time, the Greek word would have been kairos. Had he meant time in the broadest sense, the Greek word would have been ionios, which is generally rendered as eons, or perpetuity, or eternity. One other Greek word for time is chronos, which means a segment of time, and it is used only once in St. John's Gospel in John 14.9, in which it is translated as time. Few of Jesus' statements caused as much confusion in the mind of listeners as his reference to Micron, a little while. The illustration, Christ Pantocrator, is the central detail in a mosaic installed between 1143 and 1151 A.D. at La Martirana Church, Palermo, Sicily. In the original, St. Peter stands at left and St. Paul at right. La Martirana, like many of the Byzantine-style structures on Sicily, was built during the reign of Roger II, the first Norman king of Sicily. The first example is a dialogue with the Pharisees and the chief priests in Jerusalem around the time of Passover in 29 A.D. St. John records the occasion in which the Pharisees and chief priests tried to seize Jesus, and John wrote this in John 7, verse 33, Then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. The same encounter was discussed in episode 40 in the context of truth versus falsehood. St. John explained that the listeners were puzzled not only by the when aspect, but also the where, 
that is, the place to which he was going. The illustration is Jesus teaching an illumination in tempera and guilt on parchment from the Codex Bruxelles, produced around 1220 A.D. from manuscript Bruxelles 1, folio 68R, at the Badische Landesbibliothek in Karlsruhe, Germany. The next use of In a Little While happened a year later, following his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. In John 12, verse 35a, speaking directly to the people of Jerusalem after the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, Jesus said this in the context of, as I said, his being lifted up, which I discussed in episode 43. He said, A little while longer the light is with you, Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The message is that the people still have time, but not much, to become a follower of his light. St. John's theme of the contrast between light and darkness was discussed in episode 38, episode 39, and episode 40. The illustration is the central detail in Entry into Jerusalem, a Byzantine-style mosaic at the Palatine Chapel, Palace of the Normans, built in the mid-12th century A.D. at Palermo, Sicily, during the reign of Roger II. The second instance of In a Little While came on Maundy Thursday. During Jesus' final dialogue with the disciples, after the Lord's Supper, not long before his arrest, and was recorded in John 14, verses 19 and 20. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. The illustration, The Last Supper, is a 15th or 16th century A.D. fresco at the Monastery of St. George, Kremikovsky, Bulgaria. The monastery was damaged by Muslim attacks after the fall of Constantinople in the mid-15th century and by earthquakes in the 16th and 17th centuries. Jesus used the phrase again just minutes later in John 16, verse 16. A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, because I go to the Father. As he did in chapter 7, St. John wrote that the disciples did not at that time know what Jesus meant by a little while but that Jesus promised the disciples in verse 22 that their sorrow would soon turn to joy. In the final time reference in the Gospel of St. John, which happens in Jesus' final set of prayers with the disciples before his arrest, Jesus returns to the use of the Greek hora, which as shown earlier in in other places translated as hour, but on this occasion, in John 16, 25, is translated as time. 
The time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, that is, in parables, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. I discussed the father-son relationship in episode 41. The next small detail in the discussion of unique details in the Gospel of St. John is Jesus' reference to the kingdom of God in his appearance before Pilate in the context of Pilate's question in John 18.33, Are you the king of the Jews? Earlier, Jesus had declared to the Pharisees, I am not of this world. I am from above, which I discussed in episode 32 in the context of the I am declarations. Jesus answers Pilate's question in verse 36. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. The illustration, Jesus before Pilate, is an enamel attributed to the Monverni master made in France in the 15th century A.D. from the collection of the Walters Art Museum in Baltimore, Maryland. There were consequences from the statement. At his crucifixion, Pilate wrote a derisory legend which was made into a plaque, I-N-R-I, which is Latin for Jesus Nazarensis Rex Judaeorum, or Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. The legend is translated in the King James Version as this is the King of the Jews. St. John wrote in John 19, verse 20, that the legend was printed above the cross in three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. The legend is now included in many depictions of the crucifixion, including Station 12 from the Stations of the Cross at St. Joseph's Villa Chapel, as it appears in my photograph from the AIC bookstore publication, Paintings on Light. The final example of small details in the Gospel of St. John is found in John 19, verses 25, 26, and 27. His account of Jesus' last words spoken from the cross, which I have titled The Witness of John Concerning Mary, which was quoted earlier in the context of my discussion of Mary Magdalene in episode 42. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister Mary the wife of Clophus, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour that disciple took her, into his own home. The illustration is the crucifixion, a miniature illumination in colors and gold on parchment with the Blessed Virgin at the left of a green cross and St. John on the right from a liturgical book 
Registrum Prioratus Ecclesiae Christi Cantuariensis, made for the Priory of Christ Church Canterbury in the second half of the 13th century at Canterbury, England, from Manuscript Arundel 68, Folio 166V, from the collection of the British Library in London, England. I applied perspective correction to the original image. In the Eastern Church tradition, respected by Roman, the Roman Catholic Church, these words were interpreted to mean that St. John took responsibility for the care of the Blessed Virgin Mary after Jesus' death. Tradition says that when John went to Ephesus, where he established the church, he acquired or built a home for Mary. That house, called the Mariam Anna Avi, which means Mary, Mother Mary's house, remains a popular tourist attraction in Ephesus. The site has been visited by three Roman Catholic popes, the most recent being Benedict XVI in 2006 AD following his historic visit to Constantinople. The final set of unique details in the Gospel of St. John is five unique events. They are presented in the order in which they appear in St. John's Gospel. I will discuss only the first in this episode, and will discuss the remaining four in episode 45, the final episode in this series. These five events are the visit of Nicodemus, the restoration of the adulterous woman, the foot washing of the disciples, the scriptural origin of the sacrament of confession slash penance, and Jesus' post-resurrection meal with the disciples. The illustration is a half-page miniature illumination in colors and gold on parchment from the opening page of the Gospel of St. John from the book The Gospels of Luke and John made at Hammersleben, Germany in the last quarter of the 12th century A.D., St. John is seated with his gospel in his hand. These seven women represent the seven churches of Asia Minor from the book of Revelation. The large letter I includes in the top circle Christ's blessing, and in the bottom circle the virgin and child with the eagle, the traditional symbol of John, in the middle. The image to which I applied perspective correction comes from Manuscript Additional 27926, Folio 28, from the British Library, London, England. In Episode 42, I discuss St. John's unique reporting of the involvement of Nicodemus in the taking down from the cross and the burial of Jesus. I present the dialogue in its entirety with commentary as required. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. 
Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? The illustration is my photograph of a stained glass window by Franz Mayer of Munich, installed at St. Joseph's Villa Chapel, Richmond, Virginia in 1931 A.D. from the AIC bookstore publication, Paintings on Light. Now some commentary on verses 1 through 4. Came by night in verse 2a signifies that Nicodemus at that point, still a curious and possible sympathizer, did not wish to be seen by his fellow Pharisees. Rabbi in verse 2b is a Hebrew title of honor, literally meaning teacher. Signs which he did in verse 2b refers back to St. John's observation in John 2.23 concerning signs such as the water into wine at the wedding at Cana and other unspecified works which caused many to believe in Jesus. And finally, Nicodemus's question, how can a man be born again? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? shows him to be a literalist, lacking in spiritual belief, unable to understand this new idea. Jesus will instruct him in verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you can hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Confused, consistent with the severely scriptural literalist education of his fellow Pharisees, Nicodemus remains confused. Jesus turns the question back upon him in verses 10 to 15, which contain the lifted up quotation which I used in episode 43. Are you a teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The answer Jesus gave Nicodemus, which is presented here, 
very early in St. John's Gospel, includes an indictment against the shortcoming of the Pharisees in the phrase, Are you a teacher of Israel and do not know these things? An assertion of the Father's plan for mankind and the reason for the Incarnation, or the divine economy, which is a theme of the Gospel of John. We speak what we know. We have have seen earthly things versus heavenly things. A statement of his divine origin. No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven. And finally, a foretelling of Jesus' own fate in the concept of lift up and lifted up and the citation of Moses and the serpent is the image which would be used again and again in John's Gospel, which I discussed in episode 43. Here, near the end of this episode, I reverse the order of presentation, offering my commentary first so that verses 16 to 21 are read in their entirety and not, as is too often the case, isolating verse 16 one of the most quoted verses in Scripture from the complete context. The remaining six verses, 16 to 21, contain three major themes that are central to John's Gospel. These are love, agapao, and agape, meaning God's unqualified love for mankind, previously discussed in episode 42 and episode 43 in the context of the New Commandment, light versus darkness, previously discussed in episodes 26, 27, 38, 39, and 40 in the context of the I Am the Light of the World Declaration, and the concepts of spiritual blindness and being sons of light, and truth versus falsehood, discussed in episodes 35 and 40 in the context of the I Am, the Way, the Truth, and the Life Declaration, and finally the dialogue with the Pharisees over truth. Like the unique content of chapter 1, St. John's Prelude, verses 16 to 21 are a kind of fanfare, or introduction to everything that will follow. They also provided much of the scriptural underpinning for the Nicene Creed. The literal-minded Pharisee Nicodemus likely became a follower of Jesus, as evidenced by his presence at the taking down of Jesus' body from the cross and his burial, discussed in episode 42, based upon this, this particular exchange. They are more evidence of why St. John, in the Eastern Church tradition, enjoys the unique honor of the title, John the Theologian. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. 
For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. My discussion of the remaining four unique events in the Gospel of St. John continues in episode 45. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this episode and available at our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, where seasonal and Christian education videos are linked from the digital library page, Bible study videos from the Bible study page, podcasts from the podcast archive page, and AIC bookstore publications available through the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the home page. Items of interest for episode 44 are from the Lives of the Saints, first series, the 1928 BCP Saints. St. John is the subject of episode 4, St. Paul of episode 5, St. Peter of episode 11, St. Matthew in 14, and St. Luke of episode 15. In the AIC seasonal video series, The Twelve Days of Christmas, each of the several Greek words which are translated in Western versions of the Bible as love are the subject of the episode for First Day of Christmas, December 25th. From the AIC Bookstore Publications in the Gospel of John, annotated and illustrated topics discussed in this episode are include concepts of time as expressed by Jesus and the unique visit of Nicodemus, illustrated on page 29. These are discussed in chapters 3, 7, 12, and 19. From Layman's Lexicon, words and phrases of interest for this episode are eternal, eternal slash eternity, kingdom, light, Lord's Supper, Lord slash loving, Pantocrator, Pharisees, spirit, and finally, truth. In Paintings on Light, the stained glass windows of St. Joseph's Villa Chapel, the stained glass window of Nicodemus's visit by night is on page 14, and Station 12 in the Stations of the Cross is on page 56. Finally, there is Father Ron's blog, using links at the top and the bottom of each page. Entries usually include an illustration. The direct URL address is www.anglicaninternetchurch.net right slash blog, with blog in lowercase letters only. Additionally, by clicking on the Follow Anglican Internet Church legend in the right-hand column and afterward entering your email address, you can register to receive notice of each new posting from our site host, wordpress.com. Please be assured that we do not share information, particularly email addresses, with any other organization. Thank you for joining me for episode 44. Next time in episode 45, I continue with part 7 of 7 in unique themes, details, and events with the remaining four examples of unique events in the Gospel of St. John. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.